0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up? Welcome to the very first episode of the Los Angeles Dodgers podcast on the Believe Network. I'm J.P. Hornstra of the Southern California News Group. Be talking to all things Dodgers once a week. I'm joined by nobody for this episode, hopefully this episode alone. Got an exciting co-host lined up that I can't wait to introduce, but hang with me while I fly solo. The FAA has cleared me to fly solo, though the contents of your overhead bin may shift during this flight. Uh, if you don't know me, wondering who is this guy, I've been covering the Dodgers in some capacity since 2012. We can talk about the 2012 Dodgers. Ted Lilly was the highest paid player on the team. Ned Coletti was the GM. Vince Scully was the play-by-play guy. Frank McCourt was the owner, or at least he was listed as the owner in the media guide, but we all knew he was on the way out. And If I'm not mistaken, it was maybe the first day that I arrived in spring training. In 2012 that the sale to Guggenheim was approved so I've been on this job almost exactly as long as Mark Walter and Stan Kasten and Magic Johnson and I have definitely spent more time in the ballpark in the clubhouse than Magic. Magic's given out more swag though that I can attest to personally Uh, but I've seen a lot of good and bad I think mostly good right eight straight division titles one world series Lots of change, lots of change. Starting pitcher on Sunday was a kid named Michael Grove. Michael Grove was a 15-year-old at Wheeling Park High School in West Virginia when I started covering this team. So I think the takeaway here is the time flies. Um, But look, we got to start this podcast somewhere, and why not start with Michael Grove? Michael Grove was one of two rookies to make his debut as the starting pitcher this week. Along with Ryan Peppio. Eric Stephen of True Blue LA, shout out to Eric, had a great historical footnote on this that I got to share. So, the last time the two rookies debuted as the starting pitcher for the Dodgers in the same week, you have to go back to 2016. Kenta Maeda did it, Ross Stripling did it, three days apart. And before that, you got to go to a doubleheader in 1955. Roger Craig. And Don Besant pitched both ends of that one for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And if you're looking for some kind of omen in all of this, the 55 Dodgers won the World Series. And the 2016 Dodgers made it all the way to the NLCS. So if you're thinking about jumping ship, consider that a good omen. Just throwing that out there. And look, it wasn't a great week. Because if Gavin Lux doesn't get a hit in the final at-bat Sunday, the Dodgers are riding a five-game losing streak right now. And some people on Twitter I know we're calling Sunday's game a must-win. I don't know if I'd go that far. Because, look, it, it's May 16th, okay? You lose that game, and you're still seven games over five hundred. They won it, and they're nine games over five hundred. Missing two-fifths of the starting rotation either way. That's why Ryan Pepio and Michael Grove are here. And to me, that's the bigger deal right now. Not whether you win or lose. It's figuring out a way to win when there are 21 games in the next 21 days. Your bullpen is already stretched thin. You got two brand new rookies in the starting rotation. That's a lot of question marks, man. Um, We've already seen the bullpen roster management wheel spinning too. Like Shane Green, he was brought in on Sunday. Reyes Maranta was wheeled out. Garrett Clevenger came back on Friday. Yancey Almonte debuted on Thursday, and we know we're going to see David Price at some point during this four-game series against Arizona. At least, that's what we were told. But at least that much, that's what the Dodgers do, and they do it pretty well. Uh, they just shuffle guys in and out, but it's a weird set of circumstances right now, because other than the traditional starters and the one inning relievers, there just aren't a lot of options. There's no swingman, there's no like Ross Stripling type who can bounce back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen. That's why you saw Tyler Anderson and Julio Arias pitch six innings on Thursday and Friday when they probably didn't deserve to pitch six innings on Thursday and Friday. That's why you saw Walker Buehler go five innings on Saturday. Probably didn't deserve five innings. And Michael Grove, let's give him credit. He took down 19 batters on Sunday, and I know for a fact that the Dodgers were not necessarily counting on Michael Grove taking down 19 batters against a Phillies lineup that is easily the best that this team has faced all year that was a good lineup guys granted they were missing Bryce Harper but the Dodgers they were just hoping that Michael Grove could get through the lineup once maybe twice anything after that was a bonus so three and two-thirds innings in the box score that might not seem like anything impressive but trust me the Dodgers will take that from a kid who had never appeared in a AAA game in his life. Who do you like better right now? You like Michael Grove better, or you like Ryan Pepio better? Pepio's got the better stuff. Pepio ranks higher on all the prospect lists, but Michael Grove is a year older, and you could see that his command is better right now. So I'm just wondering who gets that last rotation spot until Clayton Kershaw comes back from the injured list. I'm wondering which of the two kids gets more starts this season. And does any of that have any bearing on what the Dodgers do with the trade deadline? Some interesting rotation question marks right now. Think about it. You got Dustin May, who's going to be coming back from his Tommy John rehab at midseason. Andrew Heaney's out there. He's going to come back from this shoulder injury at some point. He just started throwing, so really too soon to say when or if that happens. Um, But he's expected back. And then we know that Clayton Kershaw's injury is a short-term one. I know people are skeptical because Clayton in, has injured his back so many times in his career. But I talked to a specialist from Cedars-Sinai about the kind of SI joint injury that Clayton Kershaw has. That's the joint where the pelvic bone meets the spine. And this doctor, he assured me that there is no like aggressive versus conservative approach debate here. It's a cortisone shot, it's two weeks of rest, and you should be good to go. That's what Clayton's been telling us. That's what I've been told. But in the meantime, you've got two starts to fill. Now, we know that Ryan Pepio is pitching one end of the doubleheader on Tuesday. Who gets the other start? Does Pepio get another shot? Does Michael Grove get that one? Uh, Did they think David Price starts a bullpen game of some sort? Who's the number six guy when Clayton Kershaw comes back? And how much is that guy going to pitch for the Dodgers? I don't know. Again, a lot of interesting question marks right now. And look, the Dodgers are in a good spot. The only concerning thing for me is I don't think this is shaping up like one of those seasons where the Dodgers can expect to run away with the division title. I think the Padres have a pretty good team. I think the San Francisco Giants, once they get healthy, if they get healthy, have a pretty good team. This is gonna be a tough National League West. You know, just going back to all the Dodger teams that I've covered, every now and then somebody will ask me, even Dave Roberts has asked me, has talked to me about this. What is the best Dodgers team that you've covered? And obvious answer, right, is the 2020 team. They kind of won a World Series. Lest we forget. But that's not my pick. <laughs> that 2020 team. As good as they were, that is not my pick for the best Dodger team that I've covered. My pick is the 2017 team. The 2017 Dodgers won 104 games, and they won 104 games in a National League that did not suck. They won 104 games in a National League West that sent three teams to the postseason. Seems like ancient history five years ago, but how many of you remember that the Diamondbacks and the Rockies were the wildcard teams that year. They played each other. The Dodgers had to get through those teams in the regular season. They had to get through the Cubs in the NLCS, defending champions. They had to hope that the Cubs beat the Washington Nationals. The Nationals won 97 games that year. And they had to hope that the Astros weren't cheating once they got to the World Series. And guess what? (laughs) That was the best Dodger team I covered. They almost won Anyway, even though the other team knew what pitches were coming. Think about that. Think about that. Think about how good the bullpen was that year with Kenley Jansen, with Brandon Morrow, those two arguably the best closer slash setup man combo in one season ever for any team. They had Kenta Maeda coming out of the bullpen by the postseason. Clayton Kershaw, Yu Darvish, Ryu, Alex Wood, Rich Hill. Guys, that was a good team. Walker Bueller debuted that year. I'm sorry. Like, too many players on that Dodger team were at or near their peak. Cody Bellinger won the MVP that year. Folks, That was it, man. That was the best team I've covered. Chris Taylor had his breakout. Justin Turner was the co-MVP with Taylor of the NLCS. Guys, that was a good year. That was a really good year. I will not get over how that ended. I'm sorry. And I don't know where this Dodger team stacks up. Like It's obviously way too early, but the reality is this team has spent more on its payroll than any team in franchise history already. We can talk about Trevor Bauer and how much salary relief the Dodgers are going to get if he loses his appeal. Maybe that's a factor come the trade deadline. I don't know. He's kind of this taboo variable, right? Either way, I don't think he's coming back. He's not going to join this rotation this year. He is not walking through that door. I don't think that's way too early of a prediction. But it's a good team nonetheless. And the lineup hasn't even clicked yet. That's the crazy part for me. We really haven't seen Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Will Smith, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner. That's just the one through six. And that beast has not been unleashed. We have not seen those guys performing to their capacity. Uh, Part of that's the baseball, right? Pitchers have been overachieving generally. Hitters have been underachieving generally. Interestingly, it's Freddie Freeman, who's traditionally a power hitter. Big, bulky first baseman, who just slugs the crap out of the ball, who has adapted the best to this baseball, basically by aiming for that left center field gap going the other way. He's been the best hitter on this team so far. Looking like a pretty good signing. But Mookie Betts hasn't really been Mookie Betts yet. Uh, Cody Bellinger's been better than he was last year, but only in this Philly series did we really start to get a glimpse of him being what he was kind of that first week of the season. Max Muncie has not been the guy that he was last season. He's looking like the guy that he was in 2020 when he broke his hand. I think that elbow injury is something that he's going to probably need all year to recover from. I'm just guessing, and we knew that was a concern going into the year. Probably one of the main reasons why the Dodgers felt like they had to sign Freddie Freeman or at least sign Freddie Freeman or bring back Corey Seager because without Muncy and with Cody Bellinger being a question mark still, there are some question marks as to who's going to be the left-handed hitter that opposing pitchers are afraid of on this team. And that guy has been Freddie Freeman. At times, it's been only Freddie Freeman. Gavin Lux has had his moments. He had a big one Sunday. And if you want to go back to Sunday's game, I don't think it's a must win, but I think for Gavin Lux specifically, getting the hit in the final at bat to win the game after potentially making the error that loses the game much earlier, that's a big game for Gavin Lux. That's a huge game for Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux does not act like a typical 24-year-old. Gavin Lux carries himself with the confidence of somebody who has been in a major league clubhouse longer than he has. So I don't know for a fact that Gavin Lux needed to win that game with that hit in the final at-bat Sunday, but I'm guessing it didn't hurt. Um, he's a question mark to me. <laughs> like, who is Gavin Lux, right? Do we, do we actually know that? Do we actually know that Gavin Lux is the second baseman of the Dodgers' future? Like, what do we think he is? Huge question mark for this season. I think you're going to see a lot of games like Sunday's where, you know, one moment, it looks like he's going to cost you the game and the next minute, literally, he wins the game. That was kind of a snapshot of who Gavin Lux is right now in one game. It's not always going to be that easy of a narrative, but Sunday it was. But look, he's an interesting player. And and I think that when you look at sort of the age of the position players on the Dodgers roster right now, having a 25-year-old to be a bridge from the current nucleus, the current group of over 30 stars, Freddie Freeman, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner, etc., Max muncie into the group that, in theory, includes Miguel Vargas, Andy Pajas, some of the other position players that they have coming up through the system, Cody Hosey, Michael Bush, those guys. By the time those guys are in the starting lineup on a regular basis for the Dodgers, Gavin Lux is going to be one of the senior citizens on that roster. And I don't know who's going to be around him at that point. You know, you figure Will Smith, you know Mookie's under contract forever. You know, Freddie Freeman has a six-year deal. Will they re-sign Cody Bellinger? after next season? That's a great question. I don't know. So when I look at Gavin Lux sort of in the context of this roster, he's an important player for this Dodger team, not just this season, but in seasons to come. I don't think there's any question that the Dodgers consider Gavin Lux an important part of their future, but who is he in their present? Is he the everyday second baseman? If he's making errors like the one that he made on Sunday, I don't know. That That's kind of a weird weakness to have on a team this good, like a second baseman who just lets balls get in between his legs like that. Um, The one thing I know is Gavin Lux, he's a mature player who's going to take that seriously. He's going to try to bounce back. It would just be a lot less worrisome if we hadn't seen Gavin Lux make mistakes like that in the field before. Great that he could make up for it with the game-winning hit in the final at bat to spare the Dodgers a five-game losing streak. But also really weird that he had to do that to redeem himself uh, because he made a very critical error. Who knows how long Michael Grove pitches in that game if Gavin Lux doesn't let that ball get between his legs. Definitely more than three and two-thirds innings. That's for sure. I think the Dodgers are going to be happy to see the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're not as bad of a team as last season, but they do not strike fear into other teams like the Phillies do. They're a good base-running team. That's probably the one thing they do really well. Have been for a number of years. Bullpen's nothing super intimidating. The rotation, you look at the matchups this week. Madison Bumgarner versus Tony Gonsolin on Monday. Merrill Kelly versus Pepio in Game 1 on Tuesday. Game 2 on Tuesday, TBA for the Diamondbacks. Haven't heard who that's going to be. It'll be Tyler Anderson for the Dodgers. Wednesday, series finale, Zach Davies versus Walker Bueller. Davies is having a decent season, but again, the baseball kind of helps guys like Zach Davies who pitch to contact a more normal relative to last year run environment you you gotta like the strikeout pitcher a little bit better you gotta like walker bueller i don't know how long zach davies is gonna have a 357 era uh, but i'm guessing that goes up as the weather warms up as the ball starts to fly a little bit more the one thing that's not great about this series for the dodgers diamondbacks hit righties okay they do not hit lefties well and the only left-hander going in the series for the Dodgers is Tyler Anderson. Now, again, they might get David Price back for the series. And if you figure he can take down a couple innings here, a couple innings there, that'll help. But I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Justin Brule come back up on Wednesday when he's eligible. That'll give him another lefty down in the bullpen. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler Anderson gives another six-inning performance. Try to stretch him out. Tony Gonsolin is a guy who has generally been limited to facing the opposing lineup twice through. I wouldn't be surprised to see him stretched out a little bit just because of the 21 days with 21 games coming up for the Dodgers. They're going to need every inning that they can get from their starting pitching. And I think that places a little bit of pressure on Ryan Pepio on Tuesday. They're going to want more than three innings from him that they got last week in Pittsburgh, which means he has to keep his walks down. So some exciting things to watch for this week. I think there's a little bit of pressure on Walker Bueller. You know, he he really laid a clunker on Saturday against a good Phillies team. This is a bounce-back game for him. I think he needs to show that he can be that stopper, that ace, who can give you the kind of performance that Walker Bueller delivered the last time he faced the Arizona Diamondbacks. You guys remember that one, right? First and heretofore only complete game shutout of the season in the major leagues by any pitcher. That was a pretty good one. Dodgers will take that again. And there you have it, folks. First podcast is in the books. I hope you guys like that. I hope you guys hung with me. I hope you guys come back again. We'll do this again next week and every week this season you can follow me on twitter at jphornstra instagram at jphornstra facebook at jphornstra all my stories will get posted to my facebook page thank you for joining me we'll be back